I remember so well our first night in Metro Manila. Our house felt like we were in a sauna steam bath. Our clothes were literally soaked with perspiration. I can still visualize our open 55-gallon packing barrels and our shipping crates scattered over our front room. It was about 8.30 that evening. We arrived in Manila the day before, coming down from the seven to 8,000 mountain peaks of northern Luzon. Cool. <laughs> We'd sleep under blankets, five of them. <laughs> we had been reassigned by our mission leaders to help Ting and Oring plant a church in St. Joseph's subdivision. So as we were unpacking, we were, the perspiration was literally dripping off our foreheads in that 90% humidity heat. Then we heard a tapo, a Tagalog hello greeting at the front door. And Ting and Ring, who lived right next door in the duplex, walked in. Welcome to Manila. We're so glad you're here. Well, Ting, we're glad to meet you. We prayed for you, for your conversion. And we're also glad to see your new bride or ring again. We're ready for a break in this heat and unpacking. Ting, would you tell us how you came to Christ? And Ting began his story. He said, I was praying in the Quiapo Church, the Church of the Black Nazarene, downtown Manila, one evening after work. And I heard a voice, Ting, look for the light. I was surprised. What light? He said, I, I began searching in all the places that Roman Catholics will go for miracles and special revelations. I searched for weeks. I found nothing. So I became so discouraged. So one night after work, I again went back to my customary place of prayer, the Church of the Black Nazarene. And that night, I, as I prayed, I said, Jesus, please, by this day, by this day, please reveal this light. Well, that day came. Nothing had happened up to this time. He said, I was so discouraged. I went back to the church. And I began praying from the back of the church. Praying the rosary on my hands and knees as I literally made my way up to the altar. Confessing my sins. Asking Jesus, please, 
Reveal that light now. But nothing happened. He decided to leave and go visit his girlfriend. So when he arrived, Oring said, Ting, I'm glad you're here. I'm ready to leave. Will you go with me? Well, we'll pick up the story in a little bit. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Don't leave. It's a thrilling story. But people have been searching for ages for what John the Apostle said. The true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. The true light. I'm wondering, how many of you have been reading the story? We here at Windover for several months now have been reading a chapter of the sermon topic in the story, right? How many are reading the story? Ah, very good. Well, you will know as you're reading, like this week's lesson. But as you have been going through, you'll notice how each of the gospel writers have selected events and teachings from the life of Christ. Events in the lives of people that begin to lay down a foundation for who Jesus really is, right? You see, many didn't understand who this man was. And so Jesus began laying out that foundation. John, at the end of his 20 chapters of the gospel, said, and truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that by believing he's the Son of God, you may have life through his name. Have you noticed how Jesus has been working through events and circumstances in your life to get your attention and help you understand who he is and that he loves you so that you can trust him and accept him. Have you noticed that? Now, after almost three years living with his disciples, preaching, teaching, and healing, doing many miracles, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? That's this week's lesson, right? 
Who do you say that I am? How did Peter respond? Remember? You are the Son of God. Now, did you notice that it took almost three years of foundation building in order to establish their faith? That Jesus really was their promised Messiah, their Savior. Have you also noticed how patient, how persistent Jesus is in working with us? Making himself known to us. Now after Peter's declaration of Jesus' identity, What was Jesus' next lesson in preparing his disciples? Did you catch that as you were reading through the message, the story? He began to explain his true purpose in coming into the world as God's promised Savior, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God. Mark tells us that Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Then what did Jesus spell out as the real cost of discipleship? What it really means to be a true disciple of Jesus and fulfill the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Mark says, and let's read it together. I think we have it here. Let's read. When he had called the people to himself. Shall we read together out loud? Follow me. Let's start again. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whosoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross And follow me, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whatever, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of the Father with the holy angels. 
Now the question is, what does the cross symbolize? Denial. Denial. Death. The cross symbolizes death. A life of suffering, terrible suffering, and death. Now I'm wondering, if we are willing to take up our cross the same way youth in India today are taking up their cross. I'm sharing with you a DVD, send it here in a minute, the tremendous price they are paying to carry their cross to complete the Great Commission. Evangelism Resources, an organization that we help to support in Wilmore, we've known their leaders right from back in the early 90s, We help support them. They began training in 2009 youth of India in what they call Great Commission Camps. I was with them as they were helping prepare this manual. How to witness to Hindus, to Buddhists, to Muslims, and bring them to Christ. We're going to watch. Out of the first thousand trained in 2009, see what that training was like. This goes back to that 2009. Then I'm going to tell you the results. Let's see it.
and they were challenged with this tremendously difficult task. When commitments were made, over 600 said yes to Christ and his great commission. Nine different speakers painted every possible scenario. Given mandate and ours sends us out into the highways and edges, walking pathways, crossing barriers to seek every living soul and share the glorious message of Christ with them. Only God knows where all the roads will lead. One of those highways was traveled by a man named Yeshua, who, as a young man, studied with ten others from India at Evangelism Resources International School of Evangelism in Nigeria. Upon completion of that training, he returned to his homeland. Finally, he was home in Bangalore. There was so much to do. He had learned so much. He prayed now where to begin. He focused on his own state, Arnaud, and by God's grace, he sought highways he could travel, as wise as a serpent, and as harmless as a dove. Street lights. Evangelizing Karnataka would be tremendously difficult. He would have to rely on the power of God to win the victory. All along a 50-kilometer area north of Bangalore, Hindus had declared no Christian church will ever be planted here. They burned seven Bibles on the spot when they made that public declaration. Just to emphasize their point, this was the domain where God sent streetwise Yeshua to penetrate the darkness with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One event today seemed just like any other. As evening approached, people gathered around, some believers and some seekers. Alarming word quickly came that a group of young militants were coming to set this preacher straight. The people knew them and they begged Yeshua to leave to avoid the beating that was surely to come. Yeshua would not leave, for this was where God had sent him. The gang soon arrived, and the beating commenced, one that could easily have been avoided. 
Yeshuan was battered with bricks and sticks. One man had a motorcycle helmet with which he struck Yeshuan repeatedly in the face. The assault would have continued even to Yeshuan's death, except the police had been alerted. Their coming more than likely saved Yeshuan's life. He was battered and bloody. The comatose evangelist was rushed away to receive medical care. When he regained consciousness, the police informed him that they had apprehended some of his persecutors, and they wanted to know if he wanted to press charges. Yeshuan's response stunned them. No, I want to forgive them. After a brief recovery, he left the hospital and returned to the same region, continuing the task right where it had been interrupted so brutally. That was the mid-1990s. In April of 2010, I traveled with Yeshua, now the director of one of ER's schools of evangelism, the full land of this territory. I visited churches and met with Christians and graduates of our school of evangelism. One of those students is pastoring a church with 120 new believers. Another is building a house for 400 orphans, children of prostitutes, operating great numbers in that region. The Hindus once vowed there would be no churches in that region of Granada. Now there are more than 1,000 house churches. Oh, and by the way, on the very spot where they burned the Bibles, the Bangalore Bible Society has built a printing press that is printing 200 Bibles a day. The task may be tremendously difficult, but with God, all things are possible. Young people from all over India are discovering the places where tremendous difficulty will lead to tremendous victory. They are traveling all kinds of roads in faith, believing in the same God who granted overcoming power to Yeshua. They know the price, and they are still willing, no, eager to go. Are you willing to take your cross like Yeshua? Since 2009, only four years, what are the results from these youth camps? Drawing young people now from six, seven different countries, 6,060 have been trained right up to date. 6,060, Asia and Africa. Of those trained, over two-thirds, 4,869 have made a commitment to fulfill Christ's great commission, even though it may mean their death. Their witness has brought 11,388 to Christ. And 3,417 have been baptized. 
House churches planted to date 1,897, with membership of 8,313. The price of carrying the cross is bearing fruit. What do you think? Are today's youth willing to take the challenge? They are in Asia. How about America? Are we challenging you to a task that's greater than yourself? Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power, and you shall be witnesses unto me at home in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Back to Ting's story. How did Ting find the light and take up his cross? When Ting arrived to visit Oring, Oring said, I'm going to church. Will you come with me? We've been in that church. It was a little garage church. It had been a carpentry shop. The owner backed out his Jeep and put in pews, fans on the side. It was hot. It was steamy in there. There were no windows. The first daughter church planted in Metro Manila. Loring had been teaching Sunday school there. Her uncle, not her uncle, her brother-in-law, had planted that church. This was first, Ting's first time to enter a Protestant church. What would happen? You know, it's anathema for a Catholic to enter a, Catholic, a, Roman, a, a Protestant church. He didn't know what was going to happen, but he wanted to be with Oreen. The evangelist read his text. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Praying on your hands and knees, the rosary, for example. Praying to the statue of Christ with his feet sticking out the end of the, of the coffin in which you rub it with your hands and your handkerchief and you wear off the foot. Have to replaster it and put a new one in there. Yes, Ting was a devotee to the black Nazarene. Every year, that black statue was carried out on a cart into the streets of Chiapo. Thousands of people packed the street. People were trampled to death. Ting would help pull those ropes, pulling that statue through the street because he loved the black Nazarene. They shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And the pastor began to unpack the gospel story. How God, our creator, had come 
to earth in human form of Jesus. How Jesus gave up his life to die on the cross in our place to become our substitute for sin's penalty of death. How Jesus rose from the grave victorious over death to restore eternal life to all who believe. How we can become reconciled to God and receive his forgiveness for our sins if we will accept as a gift by faith what God has done for us in Christ. Then God will restore us to fellowship with himself as a son King said, when the evangelist gave the invitation to those who would like to receive Christ, he got up and ran to the altar and began praying, Oh God, forgive my sins. Oh, I want to accept you, Jesus. He experienced what Paul said this letter to the Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Ting began living a new life and experiencing the cost of carrying his cross. Ting began demonstrating a life of self-sacrifice. I well remember, Sheree may remember, the Saturday morning in our home, Saturday morning prayer, with Ting and O'Ring and their family, O'Ring's mom and dad and brother, and I, after our devotion, I said, what are our prayer requests? I was shocked. Tings was the first one. He said, let us pray that God will give us a church here in St. Joseph that will evangelize this community. Wow. I said, well, let's write down the names of our neighbors. They were just new. We were just new. Who are our neighbors? We wrote down the neighbors. We continued meeting week after week, praying, praying for the neighbors. Then I remember when Ting came, one Saturday, he said, my birthday's coming up February 16th. He said, I feel God wants me to invite our neighbors, invite the neighborhood and for me to share how I found the light. Oh, everybody in Metro Manila knows the Chiapo Church, the Black Nazarene, what it means to be a devotee to the Black Nazarene. They all know the story. He said, it's going to cost us something to put on a meal that's chicken adobo, lots of rice and drinks, and cake and ice cream to feed the community. He said, it's going to cost us. 
but were willing to sacrifice. <laughs> I will remember that night. As Ting shared his story, the neighbors sitting were right there in front listening. Some hearing the first time the gospel story. And the next Sunday night, again another service, and the neighbor across the street, baby, had come. And as Orring is walking her to the gate, she lived right across the street. Baby said, I'd like to know Jesus. And Orring led her to Christ that week. Our first convert. Oh, I could go on and tell the story of one after another. But we're talking about Ting, the cost of carrying the cross. His personal time, get home from work, sacrifice, Bible studies. Sunday afternoon, Bible studies. There's no time for himself. Sacrifice his time. Reaching our neighbors. Then I remember Ting and Oring telling the story. We weren't there that weekend. But Oring told us, Can you imagine the shock to Oring, a bride of just several months, walking into her home with Ting on a Saturday afternoon and finding her three stepchildren, Jimmy, Grace, and Shirley, with Ting's former mistress sitting there saying, we want Ting you to get rid of our ring. We want to live with our mother. That's the only mother Jimmy had grown up with because Ting's wife died in burying Jimmy. Their house helper, every, almost every home has a house helper, she stayed on to help Ting take care of Jimmy. He's now in high school. The only mother that he knew. They didn't know her ring. Can you imagine this mistress pleading with Ting in front of her ring? I have no means of support. The children, we have no other mother. What do you think? What would you feel as a bride? And you know what they agreed to do, Ting and Oring? They took out of their meager earnings enough money to establish her means of income through cottage industry. They took care of her. And helped to bring her to Christ. Time and money invested in the kingdom. They were taking their whatever they could invest in Bibles, in ministry, time traveling, paying their tithes and their offerings to the church. And then Ting and Oring, working together, planted six other churches in Metro Manila. And in retirement, Ting and Oring were so involved in the Gideons traveling throughout the Philippines. Yes, 
In answer to Ting's prayer, the Kayanta Wesleyan Church reflects the light out into its community today, one of the largest Wesleyan churches in Metro Manila. Have you made the choice, notice I said the choice, to move up from believing in Jesus to becoming a disciple of Jesus? There's a difference. Have you made that decision? Are you denying yourself, carrying your cross? Do you possess the half-discipleship qualities that Pastor Tom talked about two weeks ago? Hunger. Are you hungry to know Jesus and follow him, no matter what the cost? Are you available? Time investment. Your personal devotions, prayer, Bible study, fasting, memory of scripture. Taking time to attend another Bible study, outreach ministries, Saturday ministries. Are you willing? Are you faithful? Sharing your faith. Financially investing in the kingdom of God with your tithes. They don't belong to us. 10% belongs to God. We're robbing him. It's not ours. 10% only. Only. 10%. And our love offerings on top of that. Are we doing it, people? What about those young people in India? Did they challenge you this morning? Are you faithful? Are you teachable? Are you listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? And are you saying, yes, Lord? Let us pray. Let us pray silently for a few moments. You talk to the Lord. And while we're talking to the Lord, will you determine in your heart, will you agree with the Holy Spirit what he's speaking to you this morning? Will you confess your need? Will you determine to obey? Surrender. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. No matter what the persecution may be. Father, 
We praise you this morning for your great love, for your grace, amazing grace, beyond our comprehension, how you could come in human flesh, walk among us, and take our sin upon your body into your very being and pay the price of death on the cross for us in order to forgive us, to restore us to a relationship of intimate fellowship with you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Now help us, dear Lord, to be more than just a believer, but to become your disciples and take up our cross, denying ourself. Make you known in order that your great commission, taking the gospel to every ethnic group who live yet in darkness, can hear. The people right here in Greensboro can hear our family, our neighborhood. Lord Jesus, help us that we can be all that you've designed us to be, to lift you up and make you known, a light set on the hill that others can see you and be drawn to you for your glory. In Jesus' name.